Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. Welcome back to the ElfQuest Show podcast. David's here along with Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hello. Hey, everybody. We are Hi, back. Um, and we have a little uh, delay between these last few episodes, but Ryan and I are crazy busy, so thanks for your patience. We're, we're here, and we actually um, had last-minute time open up on both of our calendars, so um, we are going to just dive right into issue 23 of the final quest, the penultimate issue, second to last Almost, oh my goodness! Almost I there. I can't believe it. I know. Yep. I, I think that actually bears reflecting on for a second. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's been what four four plus years since Final Quest has been going, and yeah, oh, 2013 I think was uh, the first issue came out, the yeah. special issue or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the boing boing pages might have even started as early as 2012, um, but. Still, point is, it's been several years, and I can't believe wow. how quickly it's gone by. Yeah, I, it does seem really fast. I mean, even these last six months of the last three or four uh, issues, mm-hmm. and you and I have recorded podcasts about them, I can remember thinking, you know, back in the spring, like, oh gosh, you know, it's it's still so far off in the future, and like all of a sudden, the end Here is, it is. is nigh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, just right around the corner. Yeah, a few more weeks, and the the very last issue will be out. So, um, wow. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll do a lot more reflecting on that once that actually happens, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we we probably have a few episodes worth of discussion, you know, both about the the, the final issue, but then you know, maybe the bigger bigger picture of Final Quest once it's all out and we have time to digest it in context with everything else. So we can, uh, we can make those plans later, but, um, but yeah, so, so issue 23 Mm -hmm. follows, you know, issue 22, which was a, a pretty major issue with the palace finally leaving Moonshade dying. So this was an interesting issue for me because, um, you know, there was this question of, all right, well, what's going to happen now, right? The palace left, isn't that mm-hmm. what the big thing was? And Wendy and Richard have proven with issue 23 that there's still a lot left to happen. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we finally got the um, major conflict between the uh, Junsmen and the Elves um, that had been building up for pretty much the entire series. Yeah. Um, a significant death mm-hmm. occurred. Uh and then a pretty major event at the very end of this issue as well. So yeah. we've got a lot to talk about. So where do you want to start? Um, why don't we start with the significant death? Okay. Because that's a pretty major uh, moment. Um, so Kimo sacrificed himself right. uh, on the blade of the... Uh, what's his name? The captain of the... Uh, he's the commander of uh, Sea and War, I think is his title. Right. We don't have a name commander. for him, but... No, no, he doesn't have a, uh, an actual name that we that we know of yet. Uh, but yeah, that's his title, Commander of Sea and War. 
yeah, so, uh, Kimo was essentially taken hostage by him, um, but sort of offered himself up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just flipping over to that page. Yeah, right I'm now. looking at it now, and, you know, so, you know, we'll talk about what led up to this uh, over the course of the, this, this episode here, but mm-hmm. I think everybody, needless... if you're listening, you've read the issue, so you know the, the context, you know, we finally have this big face-off between the, what remains of the Junsmen and the, Combined forces of the Govacs and the Wolf Riders and Kimo, um, you know, the, the sweet, peaceful creature that he is steps forward to basically just try to be, you know, one last ditch effort at peacemaking. And of course, he gets captured by the commander and held at, at knife point. Um, and, you know, the commander says, like, if you try to change it back into a wolf, I'm going to slit your throat. And, um, you know what? I mean, the way it goes down is that Kimo realizes that now he's just put all the elves in a really bad spot, and that you know his action is going to make them pay. And so he makes this pretty crazy choice to just go ahead and and end it. He, like you said, sacrifices himself mm-hmm. and thrusts himself right onto the the commander's blade, and essentially, from what I can tell, kind of slits his own throat. Right. Um, so this was pretty shocking. I was surprised that this occurred. I was uh, too. Um, I sort of figured that there was going to be uh, some deaths in this issue, but I wasn't expecting uh, such a, uh, not a major character, but a pretty significant character to uh, to die. Yeah. Um, and especially given that Kimo seems like still uh, not a fully developed character, not in the sense of his characterization but in the sense of his potential being reached and mm-hmm. um his age as well i think that's what makes it um extra tragic uh just that he's he seemed still quite young and he had um these shape-shifting powers that he was exploring and it, it felt like his story hadn't been fully told yet and then you know this event occurred where he sacrifices himself so it's kind of like that tragic um, moment where it's like this young character who has so much potential ahead of him. Um, well, his life is cut short now. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. completely agree with that. Um, I will say this though, I it took me. I, I didn't realize that he actually did it himself. On my me first neither. reading, I thought that the commander, after you know what Strongbow does, um, that the commander just you know in retaliation or maybe even knee jerk reaction actually went ahead and slit his slit chemo's throat. And I actually, yeah. the, the, that thought had mm-hmm. so much impact on me when I, in, in that first reading, because it really just underscored the, for lack of a better word, just the, the, the evil, the depravity that humans are capable of. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't until somebody actually mentioned it in the spoiler discussion in the Facebook fan group that, mm-hmm. you know, that somebody said, Oh, chemo sacrificed himself. And I, Thought that was odd, and I went back and looked, and sure enough, if you look at that panel, you can see Wendy has drawn sort of movement lines, you know, uh, yes. behind Kimo. So, i.e., like him thrusting himself forward. And uh, Wendy did confirm in that conversation and that spoiler thread that that Kimo did sacrifice himself. So, I don't think it right. takes away at all from the scene. I just had a little bit different take on it my first reading. Um, That's exactly what I thought as well. Uh, I didn't realize that he had actually. Um, sacrificed himself. I thought that the commander had slit his throat. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I had to go back and look at that as well. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it, it changes it. It does change it because, you know, instead of being a 
a really low point, dark moment of, again, the depravity of what humans, you know, are capable of, of being, mm-hmm. it becomes a, you know, very, a very sad and tragic, but almost a, a heroic moment where Kimo sacrifices his, everything, his whole life, in order to remove the bargaining chip of himself as being a hostage and freeing up the elves to take their next move. And exactly. they're both equally, um, you know, powerful, I guess. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I was surprised too, after, after Moonshade's death, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't, <laughs> I guess I was, I was lulled into a sense that that was it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's probably all by design too. But, uh, so yeah, the, the, you know, earlier in the issue, Tree Stump is wounded and, mm-hmm. I didn't really have any fear for that same reason. I was like, okay, you know, he's been wounded. Um, he's been shot in, in the hip and that's probably pretty bad, but he's tough. He'll, he'll make it through. I never had like a real fear. And so the way, the fact that this happened at the end, it's almost like seeing what happened to tree stump and also to, to Yun, like she gets knocked in the head with a, with a rock and is out cold. Right. I, yeah. I kind of was like, okay, like everyone's going to make it out alive. And then, and then the scene with chemo happens and it was just like, whoa, Okay, never mm-hmm. guess what's going to happen because you would yeah. be unpleasantly surprised. Right, like the stakes are still pretty high. And it looks like, um, I mean, if we can just go right to the end of this issue, uh, there's the potential that even more characters could die in the final issue. I mean, um, well, let's just talk about it now. Okay. Uh, the father tree gets blown up by one of the yeah. Junsmen, who's essentially like a suicide bomber. Yeah. Um, so they're taken to the uh, the father tree to uh, discuss, um, I guess, what the conditions of uh, what, surrender. Yeah, That's... surrender. Yeah, thank you. Conditions of surrender. Um, but anyways, one of them uh, has a some sort of explosive flint device in his shirt and sets it off, and the father tree explodes, and Lita's inside. So, um, final page, right? The father tree is. I don't know whether it's exploding or if it's just been ex- dis- damaged in some part of it and it's going to fall over, no clue yet. But uh, Lita's inside it, so we don't know what's going to happen to her. And then uh, the very last few panels, Shuna gets stabbed with her own sword yeah. through her chest by the commander. So we don't know if she's going to make it either. And this is Cutter's family, right? Yeah, uh, his right. Life mate, his adopted human daughter. Um, luckily, Ember and Tear are saved by um, Rayek. Yep. Um, he pulls them out of the uh, the line of fire, essentially, with his magic. But uh, yeah, so we don't know what's going to happen with uh, what's going to happen to Lita and uh, Shuna. Well, not to mention all the other elves around there. I mean, we see Nightfall and Pool, and we see Cutter. You know, standing and reacting. But in the, mm-hmm. the, the, the top panel there, where, again, you see Rayek um, protecting Tyr and Ember, we see elfin bodies being thrown back from this explosion. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's a little unclear who all might have been standing there. I mean, if you look at the, the, the only wide shot that we really have of the scene, we actually see Talit, and we see Dushine, and we see Free Touch, and they're mourning over um, Kimo's body. And then mm-hmm. we see all the other elves, you know, uh, well, actually, unless you don't see Pool, but you see Nightfall, Shuna's there, Tyr, Ember. So who knows yeah. who else might be, you know, standing around there. Maybe they're still back in the in the meadow, but there could be other elves that are, 
that are present that could have been impacted that we just didn't see on camera in this issue. So, I mean, yeah, Lita's in there and, and we see mm-hmm. her after the explosion, like, you know, she's still in the tree den. So my thought is, you know, this didn't completely incinerate the entire tree, but that it probably blew a big hole out of the bottom, out of the base. And my guess is, is that the tree's going to collapse and, yeah. and glow up into flames and Lita is in it. And that's like the impending danger there. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, as far as Shuna goes, we know that Shuna has to survive because we see her later in The Searcher and the Sword, you know, much older with the ability to send. And so I have to guess that she's going to survive. I can't imagine that they would somehow make the events of Searcher and the Sword not not canon. Oh, yeah, you're right. I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, Yes. I'm thinking, though, that maybe if she does survive, it's going to have some sort of significant change on her, yeah. like maybe physically, like, and maybe that's what uh, gives her the ability to send. Yeah. Like, I think that there's something that's going to happen with that as far as connecting it to her abilities that she has in Searcher and the Sword. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think that Wendy and Richard are, I think at this, especially at this stage of the game, but always, things are done deliberately. Um, mm-hmm. And at least major things like this. You know, Shuna is getting stabbed. Like, there's a reason Shuna is getting stabbed that is important to the telling of the story and the development of her character. Now, what that will be, we will just have to wait until issue 24. But, um, yeah, what a way to end the issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Crazy. not... It, you know, actually, I'll tell you what. This whole issue had a an interesting effect on me in the sense that, you know, that... As we talked about, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I I definitely had some tears coming after issue 22. The the seeing the the goodbyes, and then the palace mm-hmm. leaving, and then obviously what happened with Moonshade. I mean, it really did. That was that was when like the the floodgates broke for me as far as like my emotional investment, you know, kind of reaching its peak and exploding in Final Quest, and 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 in no small part in ElfQuest in general, because, you know, this is the culmination of the entirety of the the canon story of, you know, Cutter's hero's journey. So that issue really was um, emotionally challenging. This issue, I think, I didn't have quite the, the I don't know, I'm struggling for, for words here. Like, this was like a much more, like, low emotional reaction it felt mm-hmm. um i felt like a like a little sense of sadness hanging over the whole thing and mm-hmm. these events these horrible events that happen at the end kind of made me sad more than anything uh, right you know because it's it's like you just want there to be a happy ending but yeah there's i mean this is elf quest so there's not always going to be a nice yeah. tied up happy ending and no i'm starting to think that it's going to be kind of bittersweet whatever the ending is we're going to get next issue yeah. and also i'm i'm going to be interested to see how it's all wrapped up in one issue of i think the regular amount of pages i think it's 32 pages in the final issue i which surprised me because i thought maybe we'd get like a double sized um, <laughs> issue for the final one, but uh, no, we're getting a regular sized issue. Well, these so last I don't few, know. These last few issues have been 
I don't know if you noticed, but they they don't have letters pages or any of the extras, and right. so yeah. they I think they have an additional five or seven pages or something from what the you know, the previous issues, most of the issues in in the the run have had. So there is a little mm-hmm. bit of extra, but um, I laughed yeah. when you said that because I'm sure when uh, Wendy and Richard <laughs> listen to this and they hear, hear that, this. they'll they'll shake they'll, their fists exactly, at me. Yeah. exactly for suggesting. Uh-huh that they'd have to do a double issue, but it's, um, but you know, as of the time of this recording, mm-hmm. it's wrapped. I mean, Wendy and Richard have yeah. posted publicly, um, on their social media pages that they're, you know, they have completed issue 24 and, you know, it's at dark horse now being put together and, you know, they'll still have to, I guess, review proofs or whatever. But, um, so I think they're, you know, they're happy to be at that stage is my impression. Definitely. Um, and maybe um, sweet too, like you said, but, um, yeah, uh, were you as surprised as I was that uh, we didn't see any sight of Newstar in this issue? Because I was expecting to see her, given that Chemo was dead, yeah. um, at the base of the father tree, at least, mourning him. Um, I'm just wondering where she is and why she didn't show up in this issue. We haven't seen... Seemed kind of we, odd. Yeah, we haven't seen Newstar or Oler since no. they went to rescue the, um, the, the Rootless Ones from the fire. And mm-hmm. my theory is that they stayed there. You know, it's been oh really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. basically they're they're obviously very minor characters, but they're they're yeah. one standout about them in Final Quest is their decision to stay in the green growing place. And you know, it's been you we've seen them with with Redlands, and obviously there's a real strong plant connection, and the fact that they chose to go with. Redlands and Skywise to go rescue the ruthless ones, and I mean, Newstar even says it to to Mender that you know, let us who who are so in love with the green growing place go, and we'll let you know if we need you. I think that they have stayed there, and that might be another little colony of elves that are that are out there after the end of Final Quest. Hmm. That's uh, yeah, I think that's a good theory. Um, one thing I was questioning too was the whole decision to bring the commander and his two minions to the father tree. Uh, they requested to go there in order to discuss these um, these terms of surrender or what have you. But uh, I thought that wasn't really the smartest decision for Cutter <laughs> to agree to it, yeah. um, to bring them into, you know, the vicinity of the actual father tree. Like, it seems like not a very smart decision. The only way I could sort of um, make sense of that is that the elves don't really have any, um, I guess, concept of like what sort of weaponry is available to the humans now and that they would ever do anything like that like maybe are they is there like a an element of naivete and sort of you know like not thinking that they could be capable of it i think that's exactly i don't know i'm glad you brought it up because um this is something that um, generated a lot of online discussion because a lot of people couldn't, you know, they had kind of the same reaction, like, Oh, you fool. What were you doing? Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because I think that's the point. Like as readers, we know, right. We number one, as readers, we know what, you know, what human beings are capable of in the real world. Right. And so we have all of this experience and we know about modern weaponry and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so, that I think really underscores everything that you were just saying. It, again, that the Wolf Riders are, are are totally naive to this. They just pretty much want a battle. It's three humans. They're surrounded by 
you know, by elven warriors and magic users. And what Wendy actually had to say about it was that, you know, basically they were expecting like, a, you know, a short little ceremony, have them, you know, say whatever words needed to be said and be done with it. Um, and they felt totally comfortable because, again, these humans were surrounded. It's like, what could they do? They don't have weapons mm-hmm. on them. So, um, so from that point of view, I think, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're trusting and they're naive and, you know, they might even be still assuming, looking at things from only like the best point of view. And I guess that's part of being naive. And so, um, you know, and of course they would have had no idea that such a thing as a, as a, as a, as a bomb <laughs> would exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And you know, it's like, it's not like they went on a big mission. I mean, they were in this meadow that was literally right next to where the father tree was. So, Right. And the elves are not um, unknown to do their own ceremonies, right? We've seen ceremonies in the Sun Village, and we've seen ceremonies with the Wolf Riders in um, Kings of the Broken Wheel when Cutter and Lita don these ceremonial robes. And so the Wolf Riders aren't, uh, you know, there's there's context for why they would be like, okay, let's go do this formally and be done with it. And then, you know, and then, of course, it backfired on them, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love the battle scene. Uh, it's that one page um, with the uh, three panels at the bottom where Shuna is um, holding Kimo's body. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the scene of the battle itself uh, is just really great. Um, so you've got like the elves, humans uh, battling each other. There's Gobacks. There's the Wolf Riders. Uh, it's just really dynamic. Um, there's a lot going on, really detailed. And I like the little moments like tear comforting the the horse that's been injured right. or dying mm-hmm. and and then there's ember up top with her sword drawn and she's battling this human and then you see uh cutter up at the very top of the panel with the um the captured commander mm-hmm. and the insect tribe uh, who have allied with the elves um you know holding them hostage and it's just a very dynamic scene i really yeah really like me it. too i mean yeah. and uh, some other things that you didn't note that i really like mm-hmm. is that yeah um, ember you know is battling with this human and who's got her back literally well she's got the human he's got the humans back as scouter and oh um, yeah you know, yeah i just thought that was kind of a cool thing given that they have a you know they have uh some past history, history of strife um, mm-hmm. so, you know, Scouter's got her back and finally getting to work out his anger issues by killing a human. <laughs> um, yeah. we see Pike and Sust fighting side by side, Sust and go back armor. And earlier in the issue, there's a little tiny panel where you see Pike kind of dressing Sust in, in, in the go back armor. And I thought yes. that was another little nice thing in there. And then probably the most gruesome one is the dismembered hand with a gun in it that's just lying on the ground. That somebody chopped off. Do you see that? Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see that so, now. Yeah, that's wow. That is gruesome. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but then that's uh, gru- talking about gruesome. There's a scene right at the beginning where a human gets an arrow right through the eye. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's go yeah, back to the beginning. Another gruesome one. Let's go back to the beginning mm-hmm. because that scene is. The, I mean, the issue kicks off basically with um, you know the palace leaving and the humans noticing it, and of course. The uh, the the insect tribe man from um, who's descended from uh, from Shuna's ex husband, you know, is like, oh yeah, it's a bad it's a bad omen, and it's all about you know how Shuna's evil and all this other stuff, and it leads into this you know the the um, 
the Jensmen, you know, knowing that they're going to, that they're getting close and that they are going to go slaughter everybody. But anyway, the next, that leads into, we pick up pretty much kind of where the last issue left off and we see a go back with the humans that, that killed Moonshade that were then in turn killed by Winkin and Rayek. And this go back is like saying to Tyr, who is their, their, their leader now, uh, you know, doesn't it make your blood boil? They killed a new high one meeting meaning Moonshade. And, you know, Tyr says, you know, I'm standing with Ember, you know, we're defending, we're not attacking, that's the way. And then we get Winkin who says, no such code binds me, which is kind Mm -hmm. of awesome. And I think just also a really great way of dealing with this in the story, because it is very clear that ever since the end of of the original quest, when Cutter says, you know, we're through with war, there can't be another good reason for it. Mm-hmm. The Wolfriders really have shied away as best they could from from war and all that means. And yes, they'll defend themselves, but you know, even in the Shards War, they separated the tribe to preserve the way because the way is not war. And mm-hmm. um, and there again, there was a really great conversation um, in several threads in the Facebook fan group. If anybody is interested in digging them out, where we were really kind of analyzing all of the past elf quests. And it really is a clear thread. If you go looking for it, this idea that the way and war are diametrically opposed, you know, Huntress Skyfire set the way because two spear wanted to have war and, and engage in genocide against the humans. That's really at its origins. And ever since they've really kind of made it a point to stay away from war. And that's hard for us to understand. You know, it actually goes back to some of our conversations um, here on this podcast about, well, why aren't the Wolf Riders, you know, picking up guns? And we'll get to that later, because that's relevant mm-hmm. to this issue. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't they using the palace as a nuclear bomb and just wiping everybody out? And I think that that really is the answer. And it's it's underscored by the fact that Winkin is a loner. He's not really part of any one tribe. And, and, no. and he's saying, well, I don't really follow the way as my code, so I'm going to go do the dirty work that needs to be done. So it's it's a double awesome thing in the sense that it really underscores this overarching message again that the Wolf Rider's way is not about war, and we see that a few other places in this issue, which we'll get back to. But it also mm-hmm. allows Wendy and Richard, um, within the context of the story, to deal with some of these humans and get rid of them <laughs> without yeah. contradicting this this overarching message of of you know war is bad, and the majority of the Wolf Riders who are our main characters are you know eschewing it, but not Winkin. <laughs> No, exactly. Uh, the the loner, the wild card, right? right? Um, yeah, and uh, throughout this entire series, Winkin has had a pretty significant role in the storyline, yeah. which um, you know I've quite enjoyed. I've quite enjoyed seeing his character sort of fleshed out and uh, getting more um, more sort of story time with yeah, him. Yeah, uh, he's an interesting character. Yeah. Uh, so from there we go to this scene with um, Talit practicing her human uh, language abilities mm-hmm. uh, with the insect tribe. Well, before before um, we so, talk about that, mm-hmm. I just, one last thing about yeah. Winkin is that even though he's willing to go, you know, and and do the dirty work of of, of being the assassin, right? Um, which, by mm-hmm. the way, that's how he was introduced into Final Quest. If you remember yeah. when when Lita and Skywise found him in the ruins of the Sun Village, he was just sort of lingering there um in sort of a 
a haze. And he was like, yeah, I just kind of pick off humans when they come around. So he's no stranger to using that, that bow of his to, um, to take care of humans, but at least at the very least, you know, the last scene in that, in that scene there, the last panel where he's sending with, with Rayek and he says, I'm glad I have a cleaner task ahead of me, Rayek bearing to once again to aid and shoot his cause. So even though he's doing this dark work, I think they are underscoring the fact that, you know, it's not like he's enjoying it. Um, and he's doing it because he feels it's work that needs to be done with Rayek at his side. And, um, and that's such an interesting pairing too. I mean, we've, we've touched on that before. The, the interesting pairing of Rayek and, and Winkin, both gliders and, or floaters, and, um, both kind of have a little bit of a dark streak in them. And yet they're totally different characters. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting dynamic, um, and it's sort of been a bit of a revelation that those two have kind of come together yeah. in this story and and partnered up. Um, yeah, not something I would have expected, but makes sense in the yeah. context of the story and their their characterization you know, that they would sort of you know be be buddies. Right. Well, that's what so. I was just gonna say. Like, I don't get the sense that they're friends, right? I don't no? think they can have friends. Yeah, that's you true. Know, they're, mm-hmm. I think they, um, they're almost like colleagues. Colleagues? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> colleagues <laughs> in human extermination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, even Rayek in that scene where, 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 shown, you know, is, is pretty brutal. You know, he levitates, you know, a human because he's out of, Winkins out of arrows and drops him from such a height onto the rocks that this guy just breaks his neck. And, yeah. um, it's not a pretty scene. You know, Wendy has drawn it no. in kind of some gruesome realism where he's just contorted and his limbs are all at weird angles. And, you know, it's it's just as gruesome as the shot of the arrow going through the eye. And, you know, I do remember yeah. too, Wendy um, making a comment about something along the lines of she was committed to realistically showing, you know, the aspect of war but that she hated drawing it. And I think this might be at least partially what she was referring to. Sure. Yeah, it's not pretty. Um, And, uh, you know, Winkin shoots a guy in the back who's just gathering water. Um, So I think this is important, though, to show that, you know, once again, the elves aren't perfect. Yeah. Uh, They're willing to, at least some of them, are willing to do things like that, like shooting a completely defenseless person in the back yeah. while they're just gathering water. Yep. And I think um, that's the you point know, too. So, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, again, I think it, it was really smart for them to put this in there. Cause again, it acknowledges that war is dirty and, and it, it eliminates a little bit of the suspension of disbelief that we as readers have to have when it comes to accepting like the wolf riders, just natural pacifism, if you will. Yeah, I mean, again, you and I have talked about that, and we haven't necessarily always agreed on it. And it's, you know, I've seen those kinds of conversations happening again online, where people are like, "I just don't buy that they wouldn't, you know, use any weapon available to them." And I think again, this by putting this in here, it shows that it's that's true. Like that's a choice that some elves are making. But the greater point is that war and the way are incompatible. Mm Hmm. And that's a big question mm-hmm. here. Yep. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, is can the way survive? You know, in this new world with humans everywhere and and these now um, you know powerful guns and bombs and everything, 
Is there mm-hmm. any way to live the simple life and go back to the good old days, if you will? Um, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I could I could see it going either way, where there's a, a, a small population of, of elves and wolf riders that are choosing this hidden way life and i could also see them just being like you know what this is this is lost to us and yeah i don't know i could see it going either way but it's powerful even yeah uh, exactly and you know you said like the the small population of wolf riders choosing you know the hidden life but exactly is that even possible now because that's what they've been doing, and right. it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> like, they can't stay hidden. Yeah. Look at what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it isn't possible anymore. Right. And what does that mean? Exactly. What does that mean? But mm-hmm. uh, but, but let's go back to Talit, because this is yeah. a, a really great scene, and you know we've so far talked about some of the darker aspects, but hand-in-hand hand in this issue is a lot of light. And this scene... Um, this page has one of the best moments in EQ that, at least for me, um, is, you know, we see Talit and she's using her diplomatic skills and her, her language arts to um, kind of talk with the human insect tribes the, who, who are, you know, that live around the, the Holt region. And, um, you know, she's having this great conversation and they're worried that all the elves in their power are going to wipe out all humans. And the point that she's making is no, like, we're not interested in that. In fact, you know, we our chief cutter sees you as part of the way. You know, it's like we're not anti-human. Mm-hmm. We're just anti these jerks who are trying to kill us. And we would, you know, could really use your help and everything. And so anyway, the funny part in that scene is you see Winkin, um, you know, uh, Shuna's there and um, Du Bois there. And he, by mm-hmm. the way, is still crushing on Chen Chen. And um, yeah. Kimo's there in wolf form and everything. And they're watching this whole scene. And and um, Winkin is kind of hiding behind one of the huts, and he's sending with Shen Shen, who says, you know, you can go now, Winkin, Talit will be fine. And and Winkin says, if I don't watch over Talit, Dushan said she'll put me back in and unbirth me. And he's got yeah. this look of terror on his eyes. And it's just, it's cute, mm-hmm. it's fun, ElfQuest humor. And um, Yeah, fun. it's like the ElfQuest version of uh, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. And just the fact that yeah. Yeah, Winkin, who's the better part of 10,000 years old is still afraid of mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> getting, exactly. Getting spanked by mom. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really cute. Yeah, that is a great moment. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, um, and by the way, I really love yeah, the, uh-huh. the 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 human design, uh, you know, the insect tribes here. They're, they're sort of ceremonial insect clothing. And in the background of that scene where we see Talit sitting on, um, you know, this little elevated... Uh, you know, uh, stage, dais, yeah, dais. Um, yeah. We see these two women in the background who just have like cool red and orange uh, costumes on. I don't know. I just really mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the insect tribe uh, uh, clothing is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, look at this guy dressed up like as a, uh, as a grasshopper. As a grasshopper, yeah. We, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, so. Um, um, he might need, uh, I think he needs a blackhead extractor, though, for his nose, but <laughs> from, I don't think they well, might not have those on the World of Two Moons. And, and he's uh, old. When, um, yeah, we'll let it slide. A little knobbly, but... <laughs> but this whole scene is also really cute. Like, you know, uh, 
after the the Winkin comment about Dushine unbirthing him, um, they're talking about Cutter. Like I was just saying, and Talit is like, yeah, like we see you guys as part of the way too, and we want to live peacefully with you, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, and she again, she mentions, oh, that's right, she mentions Cutter, and Shuna is his daughter, and he's got a daughter Ember, and he's got another cub on the way. And the 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 Grasshopper Chief says, for a spirit who must be very old, this Kutta seems very busy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which you know mm-hmm. it's just sex humor is always funny too yeah absolutely um i like talit's uh costume too which he's wearing oh yeah for yeah clothes. yeah pretty neat yeah it's always a variation on a theme i think with most, yeah, with most of the the elf quest characters and their looks and um yeah we see talit and i think a little bit less of a poncho and more maybe of a shawl here definitely but it's still totally yeah. her style Exactly. Yeah. Um, so moving on from there, we've got this next sort of um, this page with it, sort of a montage mm-hmm. scene. Uh, that's um, got this thread throughout it, which is Lita singing a song, um, which is very much in keeping with ElfQuest. Uh, we've had. Uh, scenes like this since the very beginning of the quest, right? Uh, where there's there's songs, um, and uh, this montage type um, scene as well, uh, with with a song in the background, very much a part of Elf Quest. Uh, so, anyways, what we've got here is um, just the different members of the tribes. Uh, we've got Ember's um, little faction. Uh, she's kind of describing what's going to go on. Uh, well, but I, like, you know, I don't, it's mm-hmm. not, I wouldn't say Ember's little faction because they're, the tribes have rejoined. So they're really all, together. yes, you're right. I mean, like, yeah. You can see Nightfall there. Um, oh yeah. She's and there. so yeah. this is what, what this, the big thing on this page to me, well, there's a few, a few big things. Um, one is the story that's told through Lita's song about, about Strongbow. Um, you know, the lyrics that go with his panel are, you know, perhaps not as intended, broken wheels get mended and broken hearts heal larger for the breaking. Um, you know, Strongbow is not pulling a bear claw or even a, um, a clear brook in the face of his life mate dying. Um, he seems mm-hmm. to have accepted it. And, you know, that's the beauty of the way, right? I mean, if anybody is going to be able to, you know, just sort of accept life and death and move on. It should be Strongbow, and we're kind of seeing that here, which I think is great. Yeah. But even bigger, it goes back to what we were just talking about, about showing in, in the characters' choices that there are there are philosophies, and the way is one of them, and it does not include war. And so you know, we see Ember talking to the Wolf Riders saying – you know, um, you know, we're going to say the wolf riders, we're going to hunt and howl and we always will. And, you know, we learn that the go backs, you know, they're the go backs, of course, are different. Right. And they're totally fine with war and fighting. And so they have essentially volunteered to be the defenders and allow their cousins, the wolf riders, to kind of live out the way. And, and you see that repeated in the bottom scene with um, one of my new favorite elves, this go back, this scarf wearing Gobak, um, who I have, oh, yeah. I have taken to calling, for lack of something better, since we don't know his name, I call him Scarv, S-K-A-R-V. Um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> but we hear him say it. You know, he says it right here. It, it, it's 
you know, he's talking to Tyr and he's like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to take the deer into battle, which is the wolf riders also have made the choice not to bring the wolves into battle. We hear tree stump say that later in the issue, but he says, you know, and listen, tell the wolf riders to let us go back to the bleeding. You know, we don't freak out when we lose a tribe member in the same way that they do. And right. again, it's just underscoring this bigger message of the way and the war are not compatible. And I'm really just seeing that just scream out at us, particularly in this issue. But like I was saying earlier, that if you go back over the history of ElfQuest, you really kind of see this, that, that specific note kind of woven through. Exactly. Yes. Um, Agreed. What else, mm-hmm. what do you think is going on there with Two Edge and his, his, you know, hole in the ground, his, you know, is that, and, and you know, Audrey's there, and we're seeing the go-backs, like, is that where Two Edge is living? Is that Two Edge's and Audrey's, you know, are they moving together after that, their first date? Like, <laughs> I thought that was just the entrance to the troll tunnels. That's what I was thinking that was. Well, it, 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 and it could be. I, I don't know. I didn't think that because... I guess Two Edge is living underground in the troll tunnels, but I don't know. Like, why are the go-backs there? I'm also wondering if that, now that I'm saying yeah. it, if, that, if that's where the go-backs are living. Because where are the go-backs living? Oh, that's possible. Yeah. They have to be living somewhere. Yeah, and wouldn't they want to live in a cave-type Yeah, they need some environment and, Because that's, yeah. yeah. They definitely wouldn't be living in the father tree. Right. So, yeah, that's probably where they're living. Maybe... Maybe Audrey formed a um, a lodge for them. Oh yeah, well, and that's well, it. Audrey and Two Edge, because I feel like Two Edge is welcoming, yeah. and Audrey actually has her hand kind of out and open. It's almost as if they're welcoming the go-backs in. I wonder if that's what's going on. Yeah, I wonder if they made it for them, and this is them like showing well, them their new yeah, home. Yeah, and you know what? If you look behind, I didn't notice this before, but if you look behind Two Edge's arm and his hand there, yeah. on, there's mm-hmm. a classic go-back fire pit. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's my guess. Hmm. That's that's where the go-backs are living. I think that's a good guess. Because remember, they they that works for the me. majority of them had been living over at Blue Mountain, you know, outside mm-hmm. of the palace, protecting it. Now the palace is gone. So where are they right. going to go? So so yes, so obviously they they made the journey to the Holt and are yeah. there to protect it. But um, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Yeah, well, that makes total sense. Um, a couple other things on this page. Um, mm-hmm. We get really good wolf art, and um, we see Loper yeah. in the very top panel, um, you know, Cutter's new wolf. And then we also see a really cool new wolf for Ember with some cool brown markings. Um, Sust has yeah. a black wolf. So, I don't know, just mm-hmm. I thought that was noteworthy. Yeah, and also um, like the uh, the differences between the wolves too, right? They're each uh, they're not generic looking. Yes. Like all of them have unique sort sort of patterns, and I don't think that's sort of endemic to Earth wolves. You don't see them looking like that so much, but uh, uh, definitely on the world of Two Moons, yeah, they've got uh, all sorts of neat um, uh, coloring and and patterns. Yeah, and I, stuff. I, I, I'll so say this: if cool. you look, if you pay close attention to uh, to real life wolves, they do have distinct patterns on their fur, um, and every mm-hmm. every individual is unique. And even within packs, you have some pretty significant differences in facial markings and coloration. They're one of the few wild animals that has, um, like humans do, a diverse coat color. Um, you know, most mm. animals have 
sort of a homogenous look to them in terms of yeah. their 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 fur. But um, you know, I mean, you have variations in populations. You know, black bears, for example, you know, in the east are are, are pretty well black, but if you go out west, black bears are are uh, frequently brown. They call them cinnamon bears, mm. and there are even populations of black bears that have like a blue gray fur and and or white fur. So yeah, but yeah, those are different populations within one population right. of wolves and even one pack of wolves. You really can see a lot of differences. And this is a good opportunity to plug the Wolves of Wolf Park portfolio that Wendy and Richard did back in the 80s to uh, as a basically as a fundraiser for Wolf Park, which is a uh, an education center and uh, sanctuary for, um, you know, for wolves that you know, are born in captivity or, you know, former pets or whatever. Um, and Wendy did a series of illustrations based on the wolves that were currently at Wolf Park at that point in time, which I want to say was like 86 or something. And you can really see just from those, those, that portfolio, how different all of those individual wolves were. And um, right. I think Wendy has said that doing that actually really helped her more realistically portray wolves within ElfQuest. Um, by giving oh. them a little bit more of a unique look and and getting them a little bit more closer to the biological looking wolf on model versus a very stylized wolf, you know, like if you go back to the first very first few issues of ElfQuest, the wolves were very stylized. You know, they oh yeah, they, mm-hmm. um, they're a lot more realistic nowadays. And so now, yeah, I think they are maybe just a skosh more than in real life would be in terms of their unique look, but. Um, Anyway, I'm nature geeking out here, so let's get back to ElfQuest. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, no, that's a good side note, though. Uh, something I'm going to look up. I want to look up uh, wolves now. Yeah. I'll Google them. Uh, so after this, uh, we're right back into the thick of things with um, some uh, little battle between the humans. So this is the insect tribe and the Junsmen mm-hmm. um, f- as they continue making their way towards the father tree. Uh, and the commander, of course, is being uh, is being assisted by sort of a traitor to the uh, the Hillhopper clan, mm-hmm. uh, the insect tribes, who uh, we find out, um, which kind of confirms a lot of suspicion that he is a descendant of um, Nunca. I think we find out here, right? Yeah, that he's a descendant of Nunca. No, that's what they actually who... say that in the very first scene. Um, Was that in the yeah. first scene? Okay. Yeah, he All right. says. Um, I just flip flip back, but. Um... You know, he's saying like, you know, Shuna shames my whole family. Um, you know, we think we thought she went away when she it, the shame went away when she died, but she she hasn't died. She's an ever breather like the bad wolf spirits. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think that that pretty much confirms it. But yeah, so this guy is like the uh, Benedict Arnold of right. the, <laughs> the Hillhopper tribe, um, betraying them to the Junsmen. I guess in order to get revenge for his do do we know why is it to get revenge against shuna yeah, it's right? revenge and, against and, and, shuna because shuna his you know by by his and well by his ancestors yeah reckoning shuna shamed him and um, obviously she didn't shame him so much that he couldn't find you know another wife and have kids and you know have a whole lineage after him but um right but yeah i mean again they're the spider clan you could see and they even make it a point mm-hmm. you know the the commander gets mad at this guy because he's like, Oh my God, like we're some of the people that just attacked us that we killed had the same tribal mark that you do. And he's like, are you, you're, you're double crossing us. And, um, you know, he's saying no, 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 no. So, um, I think the connection there is clear. 
Yeah. Uh, the commander says here at the end that he needs slaves, so the whole idea is to get a hold of some of these Hillhopper tribe uh, people and uh, turn them into slaves in order to assist the war party. Um, so, yeah, not a good guy. Uh, from there, we're into uh, the elves showing up. So we got a little a little band of elves. Who have we got here? Yeah. Ekwar, Rayek, Dart, Mender, um, Yun, at shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shows up and it's funny because he says the first thing why drag me into this this is my because <laughs> friends help friends chat total humor just just put in the middle of all of this ickiness and it just works really well i mean i laughed out loud when i read that the first time and it's just so in character for both of them um yeah, I, I mean, they've had this sort of rivalry going on since the very beginning, right? Since they were introduced, at exactly. least. Um, uh It's kind of, it's a fun sort of dynamic that they've got. Right. They, they're they either, like, beating each other up or... Yeah. I don't know, maybe those two need to get together. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, I think, I think... So what happens here is, you know, the, the Junsmen are advancing. The, the They've gotten pretty close to the halt now, and... So the, the insect tribes, they're in the vicinity of the insect tribes. And the insect tribes are fighting back because they know these guys are up to no good because they're just, you know, we've seen in previous issues that they're attacking the the insect tribes and the the or the, the ice halt native humans as they're marching across in their conquests. Um, you know, lots of parallels to the real world. And um, mm-hmm. so they're still a little distance away, though. And so we know that... Um, Winkin is kind of tracking them, and so he he must have called on. Well, it says right here, like without the palace's call, which once once carried their sendings worldwide, the elves rely on their glider's word and on Yun, pilot of the palace's last fragment, to respond instantly. So so Winkin must have called Yun, and she brought this you know this this small team of warriors to come and assist the humans in attacking. And so, like you said, it's. It's Dart and Mender, if you go backs, um, unnamed go backs, and then we have Chot and Yun, and then Rayek and Ekwar. So they immediately go mm-hmm. into battle. We see a couple things. We see uh, married life has not changed Mender very much. He's in his battle glory, and yeah, no what Dart says to sort of calm him down. Dart's like, disarm them. You know, we're not brutal killers, but Mender's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Another sort of um, along the same lines as Winkin, right? Uh, yeah. As far as, you know, keeping to the way and, and what the Wolf Riders, uh, um, what, how they feel about war and, and killing. Uh, Mender's definitely sort of a wild card when it comes to that. So, uh, and has it seems to have absolutely no qualms right. about it. Um, right, so shooting to wound even now, beloved, and of course Dart says slaughter is not the way. And Mender's response on some things will never agree, and this is, as he's, as he's saying it, he's like liquefying right. <laughs> some human's insides. Yeah. Right? With a huge grin right. on his and face. And quite the devilish look on his face there, too. Um, yes, So actually, yeah. you know, going back to mm-hmm. your, your comment earlier, that there there's ample evidence with an elf quest, you know, it's not all flowers and rainbows, right? Even though the main characters are portrayed as having this pretty lofty ideal of, of avoiding conflict and slaughtering 
slaughter is not the way and, and all of that. Um, you know, we still see individuals that do stuff that could earn them the bad reputation that they have amongst many of the humans, you know, bear claw being the first time that we really saw that, but you know, Mender, I'm sure, is spawning mm-hmm. no small amount of, you know, evil demon mythologies in the way that he's he's attacking the Jensen throughout Final Quest. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then we've got some more uh, little interaction with Yun and Chad again. Which humans do I kill? I hate them all. <laughs> he's funny. Uh, watch your mouth, sorry, right. but I have a human son. Yeah, and then she gets nailed in the head by a. What happened well, well, so here? There's some explosion yeah, or something? Yeah, if you go back something? to um, the previous scene where um, yeah. where the uh, the commander is saying, you know, I need more slaves and bearers. So because so because so many of the the insect tribe people, not to mention Winkan and Rayek, have decimated the the Junsman's force. So he's saying like, I need more. We need to go get get slaves and bearers. And he says, break out the hand bombs and the wrist bolts. Oh and yeah, you can yeah. See yeah. in the foreground, you see them getting the wrist bolts, which we saw back in the day in the Shards War. That that again, Two Edge created for uh, Grumble yeah. John. But then in the left side of that panel, you can see, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically a little, you know, gunpowder going into a bag or whatever. So presumably that's the hand bomb, and you could see on the top of the next page them utilizing those to blow up the 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 insect tribe people. And that's actually when Winkin calls in Yun, and the elves come in to try to, you know, stage a rescue. And, you know, Rayek actually almost manages to kill the commander, but um, gets foiled by a guy with a gun, and then they get kind of overwhelmed. But but anyway, that's what happens. I Mm -hmm. think one of those hand bombs gets flung, and Yun is standing right next to it, and she gets knocked in the head with a a rock. And, And this is actually one other thing that's really important here in the grand scheme of things is you see like they arrive in the in the in the pod and then you see Yun shrink it down back into the little palace. And so there's yeah. the pod's hidden and then after she's wounded, Dark grabs it and you know the they grab Yun and they kinda hightail it out of there. Um and so, you know, just thinking in the big picture, if you could go back to you know, the nineties era stories and the fall of Sorrow's End and Audrey ending up with a little palace wrapped up in above uh, above the bridge of destiny. Now we found out how what happened is that you know the trolls found her and they took her and they smashed the little palace and then Dor and Chop found it and he reformed it and then you know now Yun has it and it's now the palace pod that's left on the world of two moons. So it kind of takes yeah. us that that's been a question from the very beginning. In fact, it's been a question since we saw Audrey come back um, in the Searcher and the Sword. Like how what how could the little palace be there later because it showed up again in the future quest stories um right in, the, in above the bridge of destiny where audrey was supposed to have it yeah so wendy and richard i mean assuming that those are going to remain sure, canon. absolutely and that that you know that's always that yeah, could that, change right but but yeah. wendy and richard have set it up it just by including that little bit in the, here in issue 23 yeah it makes it much more likely that that those could totally be canon. That's true. So, yeah. very, very um, clever. And also, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it's hard enough for me as an obsessive fan to keep track of all this stuff, to even be able to think mm-hmm. in advance to, to put something like that in here. Just shows yeah. how well they're kind of thinking through everything. So, I, I just wanted to call attention to that. 
I I really like on this page as well the dynamic placement of the panels and shapes, uh, which is another sort of ElfQuest, um, not trope, but uh, something that Signature. you know has been utilized. Yeah, uh, very dynamic, right? This is an action mm-hmm. scene, so the panels are not just square boxes. Yeah. There's a lot going on with them, different angles, and yeah. Anyways, just good to visually interesting, um, and. So at the very bottom of this page now, we've got these few panels here. Uh, take, Mender's telling them to take uh, take the injured to the troll tunnels. You know, hightail it out of there. And uh, Winkin's down to his very last arrow. There's a Junsman aiming at him with his gun. And Winkin is the, has the perfect shot and uh, shoots his arrow right down the barrel of the gun, which explodes uh, in the Junsman's hand as he uh, pulls the trigger, so it's a pretty lucky shot right there. Well, he was, um, he was only, you know, feet away, so I, uh, I yeah. buy it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I think it also sort of just is to illustrate, like, how uh, skilled the elves are at what they do, right? Uh, I mean, they, they don't necessarily need magic to be this... Um, uh, skilled at at what yeah. they're doing. I mean, he's just like it's the perfect shot, and it seems almost effortless. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like right down the barrel. Well, of yeah, the when gun. you have ten thousand years yeah. to practice, mm-hmm. you're gonna get good at something. Yeah, you're gonna get pretty good. Yeah, target um, practice. So yeah, so this scene ends with uh, the you know the battle breaking up, and the elves seeking shelter underground, and any survivors uh, of the humans too um, end up with them. But you know, this is where we learn actually how close they are to the halt. Um, at the very, you know, yeah. the, the, the Junsman, uh, the commander, well, actually the, the, the spider insect, uh, tribesman is like, climb up and you'll see how close we are. And they, they climb up to high ground and he gets out his telescope. Uh, the commander does, and you can see the father tree looming above the rest of the forest, you know, off in the distance. So, um, you know, they're closing in basically. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like that little scene at the bottom too, where you get that insert of the yeah. uh, the view through the the um, telescope. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, what's I that? It's pretty neat. Yeah, it is neat. Yeah, and you get you can see the father tree in the distance. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, and then uh, above <laughs> the troll tunnels, they discover this. Uh, it's essentially a chimney. Right. Um, and it's, it's got like a mouth and nostrils. I think that's what I'm making oh, out yeah, from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is of course what the trolls would of do. Course. Um, yeah. Uh, so unfortunately the, uh, war men discover this and drop a, uh, a little bomb yeah. down this, uh, down the shaft of this chimney, uh, which has some pretty devastating effects, uh, for the trolls at least. Right. But Down below. Um, mm-hmm. what it does is it it gets the trolls pissed and 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 essentially draws them into the battle, and that's what happens in the in this next whole scene here. We we have you know Picknose and his warriors, and then obviously um, you know Tree Stump and Clearbrook are they happen to be underground at, in this moment, and they all rally and they they pour out of this hole like you know, fire ants and the, um, you know, the, the Junsmen are like, Oh my God, like 
you know, stone monsters. And the one guy that we saw in a previous issue who ended up getting shot um, over in the Rootless, or the Rootless One's Grove is, he obviously survived. And um, he's like, I warned you, you know, they're going to kick our butt. And sure enough, you know, outcome, you know, Tree Stump and Clearbrook and these trolls, and they essentially go to town. And we actually see the the spider guy get shot, um, it, you know, a gut shot. So my guess is that he probably isn't going to survive that. Kick the bucket. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, we get to see Tree Stump and Clearbrook's throwing knives in full effect. You know, Clearbrook. You know, takes out two humans with, you know, just throwing two or three knives. And we see the trolls totally kicking butt and um, even Two-Edge taking his hammer out. Yeah, I love this scene there, uh, that panel, especially with Tree Stump uh, and Two-Edge both fighting. Uh, It's just a great, really strong battle scene. Um, Tree Stump's double fisting it. He's got an axe and a sword. Uh, And Tree Stump, or sorry... um, Two Edge just looks enraged uh, with his hammer. It's just really like a cool yeah, scene. Yeah. I like that. Um, <laughs> and then what's happening down at the bottom? We've got Mender and Dart arguing with each other. Well, this is a, this is a, a, an important scene too because it's something that I mm-hmm. hadn't really thought of. And Dart articulates, you know, he's like, you know, you essentially by going in, like giving into this kill lust that that he has, that Mender has. Dart is worried that it's going to poison his heart for the healings that he must do, like after the battle. And it's a suggestion that, um, again, it's something I never thought about that, you know, the healing energy to, to fix wounds is maybe at the opposite end of the spectrum of the, the, the healing energy to make wounds. And that if you go, if you swing too far in one direction, you know, it could, you know, again, poison you to be able to get back to the positive side and, you know, that's probably the best description or concept to describe what happened to Winnowill. You know, she spent so much time in the, for lack of a better word, the dark side of her healing powers that she eventually couldn't make her way back to the light side where she could actually fix wounds. And I mean, she still can, but it's just, it, it, it kind of underscores, again, what we at the very beginning of Final Quest were, were presented with as far as Mender's story arc. You know, it's like, are you going to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, keep to the light and not succumb to, again, your, your kill lust so much so that you end up like when it will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Uh, a, a huge temptation, I think, for Mender. And definitely it's a good thing that Dart is there to kind of uh, remind him of that and keep him in, che- in yeah. check. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll yeah. tell you what too. This um, mm-hmm. this really takes me back. Not only not only it's 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 a touch point with Mender's story arc over the course of well, ever since we've known Mender, but in particular in Final Quest, um, you know, we're kind of hitting, we're coming back to the same beats consistently throughout the tale, which I really like. Um, even if they're just one note within the bigger issue, um, it's really yep. weaving a very well thought out tapestry. And the whole within Final Quest, mm-hmm. but this also it does the same thing for me for Dart. You know, when I see Dart in these scenes interacting with Mender, who I see the Dart that couldn't understand Strongbow's rage when the humans found Star's End, and how he had pity on them and not anger or hatred when those starving Gotar worshipping humans, you know, stumbled across the desert and 
uh, and found Sorrow's End. And, and, you know, it's like almost like a full circle for Dart's character as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, because uh, Dart's yeah. story arc has, you know, gone way, you know, he was this innocent, uh, honorable youth who wanted to just do right, and he grew up in two cultures and he loved them both. And then he had this horrible thing happen to him and it sent him into a black place, um, uh, you know, uh, of, of the spirit. And he just has been struggling to cope ever since. And it's really his, the relationship that developed with Mender over the course of final quest. I think that has kind of finally let him heal from that and come out of it. And we now see this sort of like innocent dart again, who's willing and embracing just being good, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, that does yeah, make the sense. The dart of of the Forever Green era, where he was still un- morose yeah, and still and... unhealed from mm-hmm. losing his life mate Shushan in the Goback War. Um, you know, he didn't shy away from butchering the Gobacks or any enemies. And here, again, we I feel like he's he's come back to himself, and that's definitely. Really- he went through that journey, so he knows how um, how dangerous it can be, and maybe that's why what's sort of coloring his response and his reaction to Mender. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Tree Stump is is also in a battle rage here, and you know the after the trolls and and Tree Stump and Clear Broken Two Edge come pouring out of the troll tunnel in retaliation for the bomb getting dropped down the, uh, the snout pipe, the snout chimney. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have this actually like really humorous silhouetted scene of these two humans terrified, you know, these two Junsmans running for their life. And we see tree stump like chasing after them with this ax to butcher them. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, like I almost could hear like cartoon running noises, um, in that panel, yeah, Looney exactly, Tunes yeah. style, and I thought that um, yeah. it, an interesting stylistic choice here because it's a pretty grim mm-hmm. scene. You know, it's it's these two scared humans sure. running for their lives, and Tree Stump, you know, this this berserker, you know, wolf rider demon chasing after them to butcher them, um, and which he does. Yeah. You know, he flings his axe and axe and nails one right in the back, and then right um, in the back, it's the yeah. other guy that actually. Uh, manages to pull a gun on him as Tree Stump is getting his axe out of the the backbone of the first guy he killed, and this guy manages to land a shot, and he, you know, again he hits Tree Stump in the hip, which you know, wouldn't be yeah. fatal immediately, but you know your hip, I'm sure his hip bone is shattered, and there's probably internal damage, and um, it's it's bad enough that it's not no, good. It's bad enough that it it lays him out, and that's pretty significant mm-hmm. for a, a wolf rider like. Tree stump, but it's it's so bad that Alita senses that you know he's he's been you know seriously wounded. Um, yeah. Okay. Now before we talk about that, I just just very quickly wanted to say that panel at the very top left, the one you were referring to, uh, looks like a woodcut. Oh yeah, to me. totally. And that I think yeah. is really cool. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up: Do you think that this is the uh, fruition of Tree Stump's dream from Dreamtime? I don't know if I would use the word fruition, but I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot. I was thinking about that too. I think this is the representation in the you know, the real life what happened that mm-hmm. was suggested by his dream. You know, we 
we've seen aspects of the dreams come true, you know, Janti dying. Um, and, you know, we've seen, you know, sort of hints and, and, you know, just kind of, again, suggestions on some of the dreams, but not all of the, you know, Talit, you know, being able to be an ambassador and speak to the humans, Shen Shen shining where she loves by getting to finally be a midwife to a species that actually has babies. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think that the the dreams in Dreamtime were um, there are elements of them that maybe were literal, um, but obviously they're dreams. So some of it was just kind of suggestive, and we haven't delved there with every single one of the Wolf Riders. You know, we haven't looked at Clearbrook's dreams, and I don't think we will. I highly doubt Pike is going to get eaten by a troll and pop out the other end, right? So, um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, I think this is this right here is the nod back to tree stump street. Now in the, in the dream, his desire to protect and to forge metal ended up backfiring and he killed everybody that he yeah. loved. And that obviously didn't happen. Thank God. Um, right. So I don't know. I think, I think though, this is meant to remind us of his dream. Hmm. Okay. Or maybe something's going to happen in the last uh, issue. I can't even, I can't really connect. I can't even it. like let my mind go there. Okay, but how do you explain Lita uh, sensing that tree stump is injured? Because I was trying to wrap my head around that one, and I can't really figure it out. Like, why would she sense that? Um, well, I... Has that ever been sort of depicted before? That, you know, if you're, if you're life-mated, right, right. then it, that's been depicted. But why would she sense that tree stump was hurt? Well, I always go back it... to... Yeah. Um, i trying to remember the exact line where I think it's Cutter says something like, you know, if it's something they're like looking for somebody and they're like, no, if they were dead, we'd feel it. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? And I, I'm, it's escaping me exactly what scene it is. Um, I do know what you're referring to. I can't think of the specific scene. though. No, no, I remember now. Okay. So it's at the end of um, it's in it, the original quest when, the the um, the wolf riders are attacked by the gliders and taken away, and Red Lance and Nightfall find Cutter and Skywise. And the two oh yeah, and in the Forbidden Grove, one right? Missing. And they 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 right. re, They're like, well, what do we do now? And I, one of them, it's either Cutter or Nightfall, says like, we have to go find the wolf riders. They still live. If they were dead, you know, we'd feel it. And that's what, without thinking about it until just now, because it didn't really raise. Mm-hmm my eyebrow at all. I just assumed it was, you know, Lita's a healer and you know, they're in war. So maybe she's you know, extra sensitive at the moment and they're really not that far away from the mm-hmm. cult. And so mm-hmm. I, I just kind of picked up on it that, or I just interpreted it as, you know, her spirit, her healer's spirit is just a little bit yeah, sensing, sensing yeah. it. Um, and of course with, you know, it's the, it's the vehicle and the story for us to have the interaction on the next page. Which is basically Lisa right. wanting to run off to go heal Tree Stump because, you know, she says, he needs me, I feel it. And Strongbow being like, no, you're not going anywhere. You know, you're burying my chief's cub. You're a life bearer. I can't deal with more death. Get in the father tree and hide. And, um, yeah. And it's, it's kind now, of humorous in the way mm-hmm. it plays out. Um, sure. And, you know, mostly because of the look that Cutter gives Lita and he kind of points to the tree, like, what, what, what Tree Stump said, but I was too chicken to say. Um, <laughs> or I'm sorry, what, what Strongbow yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah. you know, obviously Cutter wants <laughs> to be overprotective of Lita too, and Lita is not one to be told what to do. And so she just has this hysterical uh-huh. look of like shock that tree stub or that uh, Strongbow. I don't know why I keep calling him tree stub. That Strongbow would kind of aggressively tell her to do something, and then looks to Cutter, yeah. and Cutter's like agreeing with with Strongbow. But to Lita's credit, she decides that all right, this is probably for the best, and she sullenly goes up into the tree where she picks up her song again. But um, and even Ember gets in on it and says. Uh, it's got to be as it was in Grandsire Bearclaw's time, Mother. Life bearers must right. stay hidden. Um, and there's Ember, right? Uh, Keeper of the Way, going back to the way things were in Bearclaw's yeah. time. Uh, yeah. So it really is kind of a bit of a, um, a throwback uh, in in some sense. And uh, <laughs> not extremely, like feminist i guess that you know everybody's telling lita like no you gotta get back in the tree because you're (laughs) you're pregnant get back in there sure Um, sure. yeah but But, you know so like look at it in context it it's not all that bad i mean because i obviously that thought no i mean and again i mean embers in the battle we see um nightfall in the battle so it's not you know, it's not like the women, the, the little ladies have to stay back and hide. I think it's more like the warriors are going to fight and those who are not natural warriors are not. Um, and, you know, in, 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 but I mean, on top of that, it's that she's right. pregnant. I, think that's, I mean, that's, Ember even says it. Life bearers have exactly. to stay that's, hidden, right? I think that's so. what it boils down to is not just because yeah. she has the potential to have a kid. But that she is currently pregnant and, you know, we want to protect you. And I think Lita sees that and she, you know, she doesn't take it as, well, I mean, you know, this is maybe some character growth for Lita. And when we first meet her, she's so kind of fiercely protective of her own free will that she doesn't like anybody telling her what to do. And in this case, she kind of backs yes. down a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think Lita realizes that it's really about, you know, protecting the cub and and she's okay with going back into the father tree and just staying out of the fray. And, and of course, Cutter's like, thanks, thanks for, for, for saying it because I was too chicken to say it to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strong book. Um, and then we cut back to um, to Tree Stump and he, the, the Junsman is about to put a bullet in his head and lo and behold, he gets rescued by his, his new buddy, uh, Two Edge, who uh, we had got this this great panel because again Lita is now in the father tree and she kind of resumes the song um, that is you know kind of narrating what's going on and while she's singing we see Tree Stump get picked up by uh, by Two Edge and the Junsman who is recovering from being knocked on the back uh, with Two Edge's hammer manages to pick up his gun and he shoots. Two Edge in the back, who doesn't stumble. He keeps carrying Tree Stump. And then we see Audrey and Clearbrook come and, you know, grab them. And Audrey tunnels underground and they find where everybody else is. And this is one of the most powerful scenes of the issue for me, mm-hmm. this whole page here, where, you know, we're in, we're back in the, in the troll tunnels where Dart and Mender and 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 their band have found some, you know they they hit underground after they were wounded uh, after Yun was wounded. Um, we've got Tree Stump and Two Edge mortally wounded by gunshots. We've got the a few humans that 
were the the insect tribe people that were caught up in the fray. They got pulled down there, as well as obviously the trolls. And here's where we have the you know the the continuation of the Dart and Mender conversation where. Um, you know, Dart is kind of pulling Mender back from the dark side and saying, you know, you have to go heal now. You need to let go of killing because Tree Stump's going to die without you. And, you know, meanwhile, Mender's still like, I have to go back and kill them all. Um, so Dart pulls Mender back to the light. We've got this awesome scene between um, Audrey and Two Edge and Audrey saying, like, I'm so proud of you for rescuing mm-hmm. Tree Stump. And, you know, we see the troll doctor trying to stem the bleeding of, uh, of Two Edge, who is pretty damn tough to take a bullet in the back like like in the kidneys no less it looks like and yeah manages to not even fall over i mean he's he's pretty damn tough oh yeah uh, for sure so that's a really sweet scene uh, audrey calls him love mate yeah mm-hmm. so uh well what i noticed sorry yeah, continue mm-hmm. <laughs> what's that i said audrey and two edge shippers around the world rejoice <laughs> yes yeah after all the build-up for venka and two edge yep. Uh, yeah, out of the blue, uh, Audrey and, and Two Edge are, are the couple. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, what I notice about this scene is that Two Edge is naked. Yeah, well, he doesn't <laughs> really wear much to begin with. He's just no, he doesn't. strip of fabric, um, you know, like yeah. the, the Coneheads used to wear. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, we all know that they're not shy. They don't have body conscious issues. So, you know, why not? <laughs> exactly. And there's, uh... There's a little bit going on here as far as, like, elves and trolls and, like, who's going to get healed. Um, one of these trolls is dying, and Dart tells him that uh, Mender will come to you soon, and he says, uh, nah, it's only right. He'd tend to his own. I'd do it, too, if I were him. And then it looks like he dies. Yeah. I think he does. Yeah. That's why and, I say this is one of the most powerful scenes for me in this issue, mm-hmm. because it's... Well, again, it's kind of representative of the whole issue. You've got a little bit of, of, of drama happening with Dart and Mender. You've got this really, really sweet heartfeltness between Two Edge and Audrey. But then you have this incredibly sad, somber note of this troll, you know, who is out there fighting side by side with, with humans and with elves, and he gets shot. And if you go back to the uh, couple pages prior... You see him get shot in the background. Um, yeah. He takes it right, you know, a bullet right in the chest. And, um, you know, and Dart is like saying, you know, you'll be next. And like you said, he kind of is resigned. He's like, no, it's okay. And then I think he does die. And then, yeah. and then we pick nose of all people just really reflecting and being like humans, elves, all of us hunkered down here. Um, and mm-hmm. even in this somber moment, there's a note of humor if old right. Maggotty saw this, she'd pass a boulder, which of course <laughs> is totally true. But yes. So, I mean, this this to me, I think, was the saddest thing in in the issue, um, and one of the saddest scenes in all of ElfQuest. I don't know why. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're seeing people who peoples who traditionally hated each other, and they have managed to rise up for their common good. Yeah, and, and and you want that to have a happy ending, and just like in real life, it doesn't always have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's just really sad. And I really like the trolls, and um, just that this guy lost his life in this way, um, and was so stoic about accepting the fact that I know I'm not going to get healed. It's again, right. it's powerful stuff. 
Yeah. Um, oh, we forgot to mention the other humorous bit in the top yeah. panel. Yeah. In the bottom corner, we God. see Chot sitting there with, you know, uh, uh, a, a sneer on his face because he doesn't want to have anything to do with any of this war business with humans, and he just wants to, you know, be eating a deer leg next to the fire somewhere and just being left alone. And, of course, exactly. that is not his fate. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Mender heals um, tree stumps. Yeah. Uh, injured hip as well. We see a shot of that. Um, so from there, we're oh, back. Wait, 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 yeah, sorry. Yeah. One last thing yeah. that, um, well, two things. We also, are, it's confirmed that Yun is still down for the count. Um, she's oh, yeah. still knocked out from that rock hitting her after the bomb went off. So that means... Again, that, uh, <clears throat> you know, they can't just hop in the palace pod and fly away. Um, so that, I just think, is worth noting. And then also, just the last thing is if you look at the expression on Clearbrook's face, it just makes me, I mean, she has, it's, it's a look of, of just, what's the right emotion? She's crushed. Um, mm, she's sad, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's not a look of, I'm afraid you're going to die, tree stump. I think it's a look of, you know, with that sadness, just deep, deep, profound sadness that they have to be fighting like this. Um, exactly. And it makes me yeah. think of that scene in Shards when they, they're they the first ones to take a stand against the peace sounds. And they have this beautiful scene between the two of them where they're just like, you know, we're going to stand by each other. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's just powerful stuff. Definitely. Very powerful. Um, so, from there, we're back to the Holt. Right. Back to where we started the conversation. Um, yes. So, everything, yeah, is kind of, um, culminating in the Holt. At this point, the, um, you know, the, the human army has found the father tree. And, you know, Scouter, you know, is, is obviously on guard watching with Rayek. And Rayek, of course, wants to go blast them and, Scouter's like, Cutter doesn't want you getting shot again, so just take a chill pill and keep guard like he told you to do. And and here's where we see the go-backs stepping up, and they're like, you know, we're going to go do it. And and the Wolf Riders are, are, you know, I feel like thankful, you know, that they're not having to be in the front lines. And um, this is where we see Pike dressing sussed up in the uh, the go back armor which by the way another little interesting conversation that happened in the facebook fan group which um you know obviously i'm always plugging because there's just so much good conversation that happens there was a whole conversation about the the go back's armor and where it came from and did they carry it as a two edges original armor did they carry it with them and you know we didn't really see that so and wendy basically piped up and and this is what i love too is that she didn't just say yes or no one way or the other. She said something along the lines of, yeah, the Gobacks probably somewhere along the line got new armor. You know, <laughs> and so um, it, it's, it, it led to this conversation about, well, how, how could that happen? And, you know, my take of, from that is probably in the ensuing 10 years since the Gobacks moved down from the frozen north, um, you know, two edges there, and he's teaching tree stump and the go backs are there and they know some kind of, uh, you know, conflict is coming. 
Um, so why why not? Why couldn't Two Edge and um, Tree Stump have maybe with the help of some of the trolls forged all this this you know this brand new armor? Um, so anyway, just another hmm. plug for participating in the Facebook group if you like to get into all of these little nitty gritty discussions, esoteric uh, yeah. little discussions. Yeah. Well, not to mention that sometimes Wendy or Richard will pipe up with some cool little nugget that you wouldn't necessarily get addressed directly in the issue, and it just adds a lot of good context and conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Fun for uh, the fans. Right. Um, yeah. So one one other thing too before we talk about the the battle mm-hmm. is um, or come back to the battle since we already talked about it a little bit is one little gripe that I've had with yeah. Final Quest, and that is. Um, in uh, several different spots throughout Final Quest, when they're in the Holt, um, and you know they're presumably in the woods, but the background is colored with blue sky or stars. Oh, okay. And honestly, like you know, it's, obviously this is nothing major, right? But it's just a little thing that has been a little grit of sand in my eyeball because it's like, well, if they're in the woods, you wouldn't really see blue sky. Well, now we know that, of course, you would see Blue Sky because the current iteration of the Wolf Riders Holt has the father tree kind of sitting next to the edge of this small meadow that is presumably surrounded by the deep forest. Yeah. So if you were sitting next to the father tree, if you were at the right angle, you might see Blue Sky. So I take it all back. <laughs> okay, yeah. You stand corrected. I stand corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was intentional, if Sonny always knew that when he was coloring backgrounds or maybe Wendy colored them. I don't know, but, um, you know, just one of those little things that I, that it was like a little light bulb that went off when I saw, Oh, okay. So there is a meadow and, you know, surrounding the father tree are thorn walls and, you know, Redlands opens them and we've got this great scene of the go backs in their, <clears throat> their blood red armor, you know, uh, kind of emerging through the thorns ready to do battle. And, yeah, I really like that panel at the bottom where you see this uh, uh, all the go backs in their armor, and it's framed by the um, the thorns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's a really neat uh, framing device that Wendy used for that panel specifically with the, the thorns. I mean, it's very it, it works both in the story context and as sort of an artistic uh, totally. you know interpretation because it's the the thorns create this frame around the um, around the go-backs it just looks really cool yeah and the colors uh, mm-hmm. too I, I really like um yeah you know like i said they're they're the, the sort of glowing red bronze color which you know to me is evocative of the blood of war that's about to be shed but oh yeah for sure also in the way that this panel is colored that it's kind of glorious too yeah you know? definitely it's, um I feel like the the go-backs really have also kind of come full circle in Final Quest because, <clears throat> excuse me, as when they were originally introduced, you know, they were they were warriors for the palace with Cutter, and then kind of after the original quest, they were portrayed as sort of kind of a declining tribe and, you know, maybe not as bright or whatever, and often kind of doing villainous things, you know, the attack on the Sun Village whether it was led mm-hmm. by Javi or Zay or whatever. And, um, you know, Chot is kind of very lowbrow, and he kind of was the the epitome of go-backs for a while there. And in Final Quest, I feel like they've, again, they've kind of come full circle back to this 
this proud warrior tribe. And um, I'm glad of that because I never really hmm. liked the fact that the Gobacks kind of had sunk low. Um, yeah, they kind of devolved a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now you're right. This is sort of them stepping up to the plate and sort of reclaiming what they once were, which right. is more of a, a noble. I don't well, I don't know if they're noble so much, but maybe a little bit more nobility. Um, yeah, I think it's a yeah. nobleness without being uppity. You know, like there's a noble sure. quality about the 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 go back philosophy. Like I'm willing to put my life on the line to save and protect. That's what's that which is important to my people. And mm-hmm. in this case, you know, it used to be the palace. In this case now, you know, they're protecting their more peace loving kin. You know, and that yeah. could be even more of a full circle from them attacking their peace loving kin to take what they wanted, you know, when they attacked the sun village. Sure. Uh, and of course that would have been many, many, probably dozens of generations ago than any of the go backs that are alive today, but still, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, we, you know, we, this, this whole scene again is underneath Lita's song. Um, and I think actually it, it, we haven't really paid attention too much to the lyrics of the song, but you know, in this panel, she's saying, you know, we stayed and made with flashing blade this home of sweet water and shade. On cunning wolves running, we fight or evade. Um, life is a dance of change and chance, ended by a foe's sharp lance. For long, or love, long, uh, or long love and live. Wait, I lost my place there. Uh, ended on a foe's sharp lance, or long. Does that make sense? Or long, yeah. Life is a dance of change and chance, ended by a foe's sharp lance. Or long love and live strong, ever to the star's glance. I'm not sure, quite sure I get that, but... <laughs> yeah, me neither. I don't really know what I'm missing here. Or yeah. long love and live strong. Oh, wait. So your life is a dance of change and chance, ended by a foe's sharp lance... Or long. Oh, or long. Okay, I get it. Or long. Life, life love I, and live it, strong. Yes. Ever to the star's sense. glance. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I missed that that too in my initial reading, but that's why I'm kind of glad we're doing it. So <laughs> it's kind of just um, philosophizing about what's going on in the scene here. We see the Gobacks riding their deer into war and, um, you know, like the Wolf Riders, and we touched on this earlier, they have agreed not to put their, their mounts into in danger. So... Um, and you know we see yeah go-backs. the deer continues on mm-hmm. right we see gobacks killing humans we see some gobacks getting killed or at least wounded and here we have murph who is um you know kind of one of the the standout gobacks that was introduced in final quest he gets what looks to be a mortal shot to the gut um with an arrow that penetrates the armor and mm-hmm. see um you know venka's other love mate whose name we don't know, um, who's also one of my favorite go-backs, um, kind of comforting him. And, and he's like, all right, I'm ready to go, you know, rejoin the elves in the palace in spirit. And she's like, shut up, we've already won. So I don't know if that means Murph didn't make it or isn't going to make it. or Yeah, I wasn't clear on that either. Did yeah. he die or didn't he? I guess we'll have to wait till next issue. Maybe right. we'll find out. Um, right. I hope not because Murph is like one of my favorite characters now. Oh, good. <laughs> I love Murph. <laughs> I don't want him to die either, so... Uh, I really like the um, top and bottom of this two-page spread. So right in the center, we've got a portrait of Cutter, and then below is a portrait of Rayek. Yeah. 
I just thought that was kind of neat how they're in there. Yeah, um, uh, you it's know. definitely a beautiful panel too. Um, and you know, I just think showcasing the some of the core characters, Cutter, Lita, and Ray. Mm-hmm. At this stage, you know, there's Cutter is kind of sad and resigned to war, and Ray almost has just like a neutral expression on. Um, yeah, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I love the uh, the image of the commander up in the top right uh-huh. as well. Uh, what a well designed character, just from like a design standpoint. Yeah, um, he's very just unique. really he, really there's good. There's no mistaking yeah. his cheekbones and his yeah his hooked nose, his and, prominent nose, yeah. and the eyebrows, everything. Yeah, just very yeah very strong design and immediately conveys what his character is like. So totally. yeah, yeah. Very good. There's, there's no question yeah. that this guy is, um, he's going to be a villain. <laughs> oh yeah. None whatsoever. Um, um, and that's not to say that Wendy doesn't play against, um, uh, sure. Stereotypes. stereotypes yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. we've seen that with so many times that humans, especially that are villains that don't look at, um, right. you know, so, yeah. And then villains who are beautiful, like Winnowill. Totally, yeah. I was just thinking of yeah. that, too. Um, you know, but as far or, as, like, yeah, sorry. Go or, ahead. like, you know, mm-hmm. Angriff Jun, you know, he he was pretty good-looking, you know? He was a handsome villain. So not mm-hmm. all of them have mm-hmm. to have, you know, a certain look about them to be villainous. Right, yeah. Um, they don't have to be ugly. Right. So, um, so at this point, you know, the, the go-backs have led the charge. They've taken out, you know, the 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 first round of, of humans at this point, the wolf riders enter the fray, the warrior wolf riders. So it's pool and strongbow and nightfall and ember and scouter and tear and pike. And of course, cutter um, notably, there's a lot of archers, you know, scouter has a bow, strongbow obviously has a bow nightfall and, and pool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I kind of like that. Cause for a while there, it was like strongbow was the only archer and, you know, maybe nightfall, but, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of that stood out to me, and I kind of liked it. So, well, Pool has been established as an archer from True. at least the beginning of Final Quest. Yeah, uh, and I feel like even before. Um, yeah, you know, in the Wild Hunt days, there was some. You know, he was like training with the bow with Tear, and so I think that's that's, that's true. consistent yeah. here. So, um, yeah. So, so the insect tribes, you know, Talit has convinced them to join the fight as allies. Um, they show up at this moment. The Wolf Riders come out. And at this point, you know, this is where the, the they're basically like, all right, you've lost. You know, we're, we've got you surrounded. Um, you know, the Junsman see Shuna still alive. And they're like, she still lives. And she's like, my sword remains sheathed, which I think is also an important thing of note here. Today, the truth shall pierce deeper than any blade. So, again, I feel like Shuna living the way here. You know, it's mm-hmm. like shooting violence and trying to, you know, take the the, the path that she's gone on really as a as, as as an ambassador. You know, I've been using the term kind of uh, uh, missionary, which yeah. I don't quite like. I think she's she's more of a of an ambassador for this idea of, you know, these other peoples are not evil and you don't have to hate them and try to kill them just because they're different. Um, versus like missionary just has obviously like the religious overtones, like trying yeah. to change someone's culture and make them do something else. Um, 
so I think ambassador is a better word, but she's trying to be an ambassador for this idea of like, we don't need to be enemies and what a perfect elf to pair with her other, you know, than chemo. And this is where he changes out of wolf shape and, um, you know, steps forward and of course ends up getting captured. Like we talked about and, exactly. um, you know, and then, so that brings us right back to the beginning of our conversation. The one thing I think that we haven't discussed yet is, uh, strongbow in this oh, whole right. yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, well, so, so things mm-hmm. go to, yeah, things go to, go to hell pretty quickly after chemo gets captured because, um, you know, like they're now suddenly the, the Junsmen who were pretty much defeated now have a major bargaining chip. And, you know, Cutter even says to Ray, like, wait, you know, if we make a misstep, it's going to mean chemo's life. And that is what chemo hears. And it's like, I was wrong. And it's my tribefolk who are going to pay. And that's what leads him to, uh, you know, essentially, kill himself, give himself up. Uh, you know, this is after the humans start firing and they shoot Cutter. And so, yeah, so this brings us to Strongbow. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious your, for your reaction to this, because, you know, let's let's just call the fact that you and I called that, well, we thought originally it would be a go-back with a gun, but in a more, more recent episodes, I think we you know, had said, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these elves picks up a gun. And it turns out to be Strongbow, who was the last elf that I would have ever thought to pick up a gun. Now, when I first read this, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but why did he grab the gun? He was holding his bow. Why did he Why didn't he just shoot this human with a bow? And, you know, so it was a little bit confusing for me. But upon thinking about it more and reading it and and really what Strongbow says after he's done it, where he says, yes. Iron Life yeah. Mate, it's the end of the way. And he's got this horrified look on his face. Mm-hmm. What I what I now see the scene to be is Cutter gets shot, um, just a glancing blow, and Strongbow finally gives in. You know, he's been saying, like, we're not gonna use guns, we're gonna stick to our simple way, and we're gonna defend, but you know, we're not gonna again slaughter. And I think Strongbow drops his bow and specifically picks up the gun because he knows what a deadly, you know, powerful killing force it is and specifically uses it that way, again, to slaughter his enemies. Um, yeah. Which echoes what the son said that they don't do, that that's not the way. And the instant he does it, he realizes that... Uh, what like, he's done. Right. And that makes it so much more powerful from yeah. that point of view, at least for me. That it wasn't just like, oh my god, I got to protect Cutter. Let me grab the nearest weapon. It's like I'm going to pick up that that gun and I'm going to kill you, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's just like when he killed Kareel. After that happened, he was like, what have I done? Well, um, that's exactly it. And so that's why when I read this, I I thought to myself, well, of course it's Strongbow, because yeah. that's just it's the story beat repeating, right? Yeah. Of Strongbow was the first one to kill another elf in the collected memory of the four tribes right right and it was that changed the way well once again it's strongbow who has changed the way maybe ended it um of course it's him yeah it made perfect sense when i read it and the way that you say it now too makes me think of something that either wendy or richard said and that is you know in, in in storytelling and and they were talking i think specifically about final quest that they made some comment about, you know, if something can happen, 
it, it's inevitable that that would happen. And you saying it that way makes me think of that. Um, hmm. You know, if if there's going to be an elf that inadvertently destroys the way, it's got to be Strongbow. Would it not be the keeper of the way, the one right. who was most most uh, what um, tied to it or, or right. the defender of it? Yeah. Doesn't it make perfect ironic sense that he would be the one to end it? Right. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, Pretty profound. Yeah. So, I mean, we've pretty much covered everything in this issue um, with one last exception for me. Um, okay. And I actually kind of forgot about it until we we ended up on this page. And this is the panel with the father tree um, behind the thorn wall on the edges of the meadow, and you see Cutter's eyes superimposed. And, you know, this is right after Kimo gets captured. And... It's it's you know it's it's um you know it's captions and it says for the first time the chief of warmen meets the gaze of the wolf rider chief of chiefs the human's gut suddenly roils with ancient inborn knowing before him stands the essence the very spirit of otherness lying at the heart of a hatred that has burned since the dawn of time hmm. and that to me is kind of an essence. ElfQuest. Yeah. You know, I think there has been this message woven throughout the story from the very first page of the very first issue that what the elves represent is is otherness in whatever form that might take in in the real world. You know, it could be anything. Anything that's different than you, right? Mm -hmm. And that we human beings tend to have a a bad history of, you know, maybe having a knee-jerk reaction and, you know, to anything that is other with hatred and and violence. You know, sure. and then, again, that's how the story started with poor Red Lance almost dying at the stake. And that really has been the struggle through throughout the whole entire 40-year history. You know, it's knowledge versus ignorance and it's it's love versus hate. And, um, you know, but it's, it, it's, it's a much more mature gray iteration of the concept of you know good fights evil right that it's mm -hmm. it's it's otherness and accepting it and that we're all richer for it um it's it's that just because something is different than us doesn't mean we need to hate and obliterate it it's just a lot more nuanced version of the typical fantasy trope of good versus evil and you know it's gray it's not black and white and I don't know that, that when I read that panel, I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, oof. So, that sort of sums it all up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, one place, more. Right? <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. No, I really can't. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I. It's crazy. Yeah. There's only one more to go. I have a sense of peace about it, though. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Um, mm -hmm. Like I was saying in reading this issue, my I, I, I read it with a kind of resolve, and, yes. that, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Like I just felt like I had had this huge emotional, um, you know, pouring out of just the tension of the story building to this point after issue twenty two, and I came into this issue with, you know, again maybe a sense of inevitability. 
you know, we're, we're, we're getting towards the end. We're getting towards, um, some form of resolution. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and the ups and the downs of the roller coaster on this one weren't as high as an issue 22, even though there's deep emotional stuff and action. And and like we talked about, there's a ton of humor in this, um, this particular issue. Um, and it, and it's, it's great because it, it's not distracting and it works, you know, even within a dark issue. And I don't think that's easy to do. Um, no. So, yeah. So I have a sense of inevitability in a, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of me, dare I say it, is actually I'm looking forward to this being wrapped. Yeah. Um, because part of a, of enjoying a, a good story is is getting a satisfying the ending. ending. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And as much as I, you know, I the idea that this might be the last long form ElfQuest story that Wendy and Richard do together as Wendy and Richard. Um, you know, that's there and I don't begrudge them two seconds for that decision. They've earned it. Um, and it is what it is. And I kind of have a, maybe a very kind of now we'll thought ish attitude towards that. Um, it doesn't freak me out. I feel like even a few years ago that might've filled me with anxiety, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. Um, I'm focusing on, on writing out final quest and, and, immersing myself in it and really enjoying it and analyzing it and um, feeling it and experiencing it. And, and I feel like that that's going to be a huge thing to do with the last issue. Then like we, I was saying at the very beginning, as far as podcasts go, then I, we're going to need to do that in, in the context of the entirety of ElfQuest, you know, every new issue and every new panel in an ElfQuest uh, comic is like another symbol in the great egg, right? It changes the meaning of all of that went before it. And so sure. I'm not worried about not getting my elf quest fix <laughs> um, no, because no. we're going to get it. We're going to, um, we're going to talk about it ad nauseum on the podcast. And hopefully um, Wendy and Richard um, have said that they're game to come on and do, uh, you know, maybe one last interview for, you know, focus on final quest with us. And mm-hmm. as I've mentioned a few times throughout here, there's some vibrant, ElfQuest communities online, on Facebook. There's a ton of people on Twitter, and Instagram is growing with people posting about ElfQuest. So, uh, you know, the El- ElfQuest is is forever, um, even if Wendy and Richard's main piece of it is going to wrap up for this next issue. So I feel good mm-hmm. about that. I feel, like I said, a sense of peace and inevitability, and um, I want to enjoy Brightness. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. I, uh, I agree with your sentiment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect place to to wrap um, this this episode. So, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and we, uh, you know, we'll be back after issue twenty four. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> deep breaths. Deep breaths. Yes. Ah, okay. We'll see you then. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Okay. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. You can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcast or multimedia projects on jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. 
As always, you can join the discussions on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff, like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The final quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water.